0: Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 8 of The Two Vegans, is that what it is? 7. Fuck! I was so confident about this. (laughs) You do it.
1: (laughs) No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast.
0: Hello everybody, welcome to the new episode of The Two Vegans
1: this is episode seven so we're out and about we're sitting at louis cafe in jumeirah park pavilion today um describing coffee having a chat that kind of thing
0: <laughs> you've got such cool stuff on you today the mic and this red dot in your shoe and the bag and the green amazingly
1: bottle green olive bag the name of the company's a-u-l-i-v-e olive
0: oh that's what it was, was like alive oh vegan <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's Olive, like, it's a company based out of India that do cruelty-free leather products. So they have uh, synthetic leather, basically, and they do bags and other stuff.
0: Why are we recording all this? I
1: just, I don't know. Oh, it's a very,
0: Chirag Chirag has a new vegan bag and he's just showing off. It is quite cool, though.
1: So, on our last episode, we talked about, uh, we did quite a recap of uh, different news in the vegan world, right? So, got some interesting feedback there. Um, but yeah, do check it out if you haven't. And on today's episodes. Heetal, what are we going to do? Do we not have a topic today? Are we just going to wing it?
0: We're going to speak about tampons today.
1: Oh dear. <laughs> That's our... Ep- wait, wait. No, no, no. I didn't agree to this. Uh, to expand on what Heetal is saying because she's trying to clickbait you into listening to this episode.
0: Yeah, by using the <laughs> word tampons.
1: <laughs> uh, we're actually going to try and talk about some things that seem vegan but aren't. So we each of us have got a couple of things that either we wanted people to know about but perhaps also shocked us and we learned that they were non-vegan and or involved animal cruelty. Uh, so uh, you know the first one we're going to talk about a couple of specific ones but I think I want to just mention you know like a food related one as well like a little bit of uh, something in processed foods I think. Uh, so uh, yeah a bit of a surprise to learn things like oran- um, apple juice is not necessarily vegan. Some apple juices are, are filtered using fish bladder. This also reminds me a little bit about uh, you know the one something I'd referred to in an earlier episode regarding tapenade, olive tapenade. Um, and so again, you know, olive tapenade is actually um, it's basically an olive paste, right? But, uh, but I learned recently there are some restaurants here that add anchovies, I guess, to uplift the flavor a little bit. Uh, but it's not something that they tell you. So you know, when they serve you olive tapen out while you're eating bread at the start of a restaurant, you don't realize that you're actually consuming fish in the process, which is a bit weird that they don't put that disclaimer out there. Uh, Going back, I mean, you know, apple juice is one that uh, they use and there are quite a few juices like that. Um, I don't want to single any particular brand out just yet, but I recommend two things. One is check the ingredients and two, stick to fresh juices at least stuff you know that you know isn't being diluted or processed with other stuff there's a lot of foods like this actually that have this so you even and i'm, I'm sort of clubbing this into one category but even like certain peanuts so the, the packaged peanuts that you get no yes uh, so certain packaged peanuts that you get like sometimes they add uh, they have gelatin the thing is it's the flavored stuff right when they're doing the flavored peanuts yeah, and stuff yeah. like that uh, the, f- the flavorings contain things as well so the peanuts of course themselves don't but then um, the flavorings do so you have um sometimes they use gelatin to get that flavor <laughs> you know I'm, I'm like talking about this but my problem with this is um, you know when you have things like 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 jelly or jello as it's called in the states or you have say gummy candy like gummy where gummy bears gummy worms those kind of things you know like the you know that they've they've traditionally used animal products to to harden the, these foods and stuff so at least there is some kind of understanding or some kind of expectation that this potentially has an animal product. I'm either going to check the ingredients, I'm going to avoid it, or I'm going to look for ones that have a nice label and a lot of gummy candy. Today that you find here um, has that, where they have like it's vegetarian, right? Like it, it tells you that it's they use vegetarian, they use um, alternatives to gelatin, either vegetarian uh, synthetic gelatin or um, other thickening agents, there's you know, agar agar and other things like that. Um, so so that's fine, but uh, you know, for me, it's 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 stuff like you would expect. That your apple juice is is basically you know juices of apples with some flavorings. You would not expect to to know that there are, or some animal products are being used in that processing. Uh, well, we'll come to more of that in a little bit. The um, so same thing for me with with tapenade. Where tapenade is not something you traditionally expect, and it's to me it's slightly bizarre. It's slightly also worrying that you know when you, if you don't know you're never going to figure out that there's animal products in this stuff.
0: That's interesting and shocking at the same time. When you say that you should check ingredients while buying your apple juice, what
1: ingredients are people supposed to look for? Uh, so the, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a tricky thing, right? Uh, but there are certain things you can look out for. So things like casein, which I think is a, is a big one that people put. So casein is actually, it's a milk product. It's a milk derivative, right? Uh, and then they use it in, in other things. And, and I've even seen what is branded as non-dairy cheese, To contain casein over here as well, so I think that's something that you should be really careful of. So it's a milk product, but it it gets labeled, and I think perhaps there is an issue there with uh, you know the standards of what is counted as uh, non-dairy and what's not, or if there's a sauce or a dipping sauce that contains something, then they let you know. Uh, So a lot of and and that's great that they do that. But uh, and we spoke about this a lot. Like we sit and read ingredients at supermarkets so much more now than we do before,
0: or ask a lot of questions at restaurants, and embarrass our guests (laughs) and. Um, I, I mean, I know people think that we just sound very anal when we are asking a lot of questions, but it's it's better to ask than to regret later on. I mean, a lot of Thai food authentically involves being cooked in fish oil. Yeah. And I did not know that. So every time I'd be like, okay, I'm eating pad Thai. And, you know, even the noodles would be like egg noodles. And I wouldn't know, like, what happened at this restaurant that I went to. For a very long time, you thought that the noodles were vegan because yeah. they told you so. Yeah, yeah. And when I went and asked them and they were like, oh all our noodles are egg noodles and I was like, oh no, my friend eats here all the time and he said they're vegan and she was like, no, no, the only thing vegan here is the rice, not the noodles. Not only ask them a lot of questions, but ask them a lot of questions every time you eat there because the answers apparently change depending on their mood. For all my junky vegan friends or my junky vegan curious friends, try looking up online about brands, packaged brands um, that are vegan when it comes to juices or any other snacks that you're eating. When it comes to nuts, well, it, it's it's a shocker for me that nuts also have animal products in them in some cases. But when it comes to nuts, I think the best thing to do would be to buy bulk packs. Yeah. Carry your own, um, I don't know, plastic packs or uh, bags to the supermarket and buy them in bulk. And you can probably go home and add whatever flavoring you want. You can add your salt or paprika or whatever. Um, that way you save... Um, packaging uh, like that way you avoid packaging as well and you know that your food does not contain any other animal products Um, but yeah do some uh, research online and you'll be able to find most answers there Um, gelatin was also on my list and basically gelatin is made by boiling all the um, the flesh uh, whatever is consumed after that, whatever the remains of an animal, which is their bones, their ligaments, their tissues, their tendons, etc. They're all uh, collected and boiled to create gelatin. And gelatin is usually flavorless and odorless. It's usually used in jellies and marshmallows, gummy bears, and all those amazingly lovely candies. I'm just talking about it and um, just thinking about gummy bears. I feel like a cola gummy bear right now. Um, but I've recently found out there are a lot of companies that are doing vegan and vegetarian gummy bears, as Chirag said. Not only food, but they're made from a protein and animal called collagen, and that is usually used in your lotions as well, for skin tightening and stuff. Um, so you have to be very careful about what you're buying. Uh, when it comes to these things. Um, interestingly enough, even the sugar that we consume is not vegan during the filtration process of the, So cane, cane sugar when when you're converting a sugar cane into sugar, uh, it tends to um, be a bit on the brownish tint of color. it's not naturally white as we see it. to make that color from brown to white we use a f- we use bone char, which is basically charred bones of animals um, which is weird like, and then we separately consume brown sugar, so I, I don't know how this world functions. So most of the white sugar would probably be um, non-vegan, uh, and maybe your alternatives could be coconut sugar or brown sugar or stevia, which is also good for your health. Uh, but at the same time, if uh, I mean, you can you can also use syrups like date syrups or maple syrup. There are loads of alternatives these days in the market.
1: So um, you know, so I think we've seen we've seen a lot of sort of um, revisiting of the sweetening industry, and I'm, I'm going to. I mean, everything from, you know, we've seen like sort of, uh, sort of this high fructose corn syrup, which was like this big issue um, for a while. And now, you know, you, you see a lot of manufacturers moving away from it. Uh, but then they started moving away from it by using things like uh, saccharin, other like artificial sweeteners, which then now have been linked to other things and diseases and stuff like that and so thankfully over the last few years we've seen so many alternatives come up in the market and you mentioned tons of them right whether it's agave or maple syrup or uh, and then you know i mean even we've been using things like date syrup especially in this region uh, as a as a sweetener as well so and there are also so interestingly like um, this this company called tivana which is now bought out by starbucks essentially and they're shutting down so i don't know if they'll continue to sell this product but they had a, a beet sugar Right. Which is uh, so essentially what they do is they extract the juice from, uh, from, from beetroot and then they, they um, concentrate the sugar out of it. Right. And it's a really uh, it's meant to be a natural sugar. I think it, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, it, it's uh, predominantly comes from, from uh, I think it's Ireland or something like that. But anyway, thanks. Um, you know, the, sort of the tea industry actually focuses on is the fact that um, this white sugar and the cane sugar that you're referring to actually alters the flavor of the tea. And so one of the reasons why Tivana came out and started doing this uh, so this beet sugar is um, is so that it's it 's supposed to f- sweeten your tea without messing chemically with the tea itself and then altering its flavor and and, and so you have a better tea experience so to speak uh, so I started using that actually like a couple of years ago. Um, when I wanted to make iced teas and other things in the summer um, and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm not someone that generally drinks sugar in my coffee and stuff anyway. Mm. But but that's when, but for for iced teas, like I do need it, and so I started using that. <laughs> um, so I think that's that th- these kind of alternatives. Look for them; they're they are available in the markets here. They're available like everywhere. Unfortunately, like I said, Tivana being bought out by Starbucks, they've actually discontinued their stores. So now you get Tivana stuff inside Starbucks. So I don't know if they will continue this beet sugar production. I hope they do because it was really a a nice alternative. Um, um, over here um, but, but as, as Heathel mentioned and then among the uh, sort of artificial and or powdered options stevia is the one as, uh, as uh, Heathel mentioned because stevia is a lot more natural it comes from a natural plant compared to um, uh, you know things like saccharin and other, other ones as well
0: while Chirag was speaking, I was just looking up Tiwana sugar. You find them on Amazon as well. And there are so many other options of sugar. Like, I never realized there were so many different options. Um, obviously, they're more niche, so you will probably have to buy them online from specialty shops. But there is amber sugar, an ideal tea sweetener. These crystals are sugar in its purest form. And then there is Chinese rock sugar. Like, there's so many different kinds of sugar. Did you did you find any difference in your iced tea when you made it with Tivana?
1: Uh, yeah there is so it it, it the, the flavor is a bit different um so now i could argue that 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 means that the flavor is different because now i'm actually tasting the tea and it's only sweetened versus the tea being altered in the way that they describe so i don't know how true that that stuff is obviously i don't have any um, scientific testing of that but there is a bit of a difference but but you you feel it and then like now, if I, if I go to a place and I, I have iced tea that's sh- sweetened normally, it tastes a bit odd now for me, personally, because I, I'm just used to drinking that. I still have like some sugar left over from my initial batch before they close down. Um, so I, I do make them, and now that the summer will hit slightly. But there, there is a slight difference in the way it's flavored. And I've, had, I've given it to friends um, who have then uh, used it. I mean, I had a friend who was actually looking to get away from using um, refined sugar. Uh, but is a big fan of desserts and didn't, like, kind of couldn't, you know, was trying to figure out, like, how do I do this with, by giving it up? And I was like, hey, you know, I've got this natural sugar one and you try this out. And so so that's what they used for like a week or 10 days or something, as long as the, in the, the demand I gave. And so it's, it's and it's, it's, it is, all of these sugars, by the way, although they they started out as, as a compliments to tea in particular because tea is the one that is directly affected by this uh, or at least like the specialty tea shops understand that you know the chemical aspect of doing it right um, so you will find even a lot of specialty tea shops here will serve you brown sugar or they'll show you like sugar crystals on a on a stick as opposed to serving you refined sugar uh, and that's the reason for that so so but the advantage is then you know those things can be reused and re, you know worked into desserts worked into other things that you do or so you know you don't have to give up on sugar per se, but you can find sort of better alternatives and more natural alternatives and they take some getting used to, but you know, in the long run, they're better for you.
0: And before we move on, the stuff that you're speaking about today is is going to be a bit informational and it's good for you to know where your food actually comes from. Uh, But I don't want people who are curious or are turning into vegans or are even trying to get into vegetarianism or veganism to be freaked out by this information. I wouldn't say extreme but we know it's a bit more detailed and uh, people who are actually starting their journey or are planning to start a journey this would probably um, give you an idea that there's nothing left to eat and vegan being a vegan is difficult or rather impossible but if you're starting out then it's it's just better that you cut out on animal products uh, the direct ones like cut down on your dairy and your meat whatever we've spoken about until now are basically byproducts of the meat and the dairy industry if there is no um, demand for uh, meat and dairy, or there is a redu- reduction in demand of the industry, uh, then there won't be any need to um, sell these byproducts and make money off them.
1: And not necessarily because of us, but maybe perhaps a little bit because of us. At every episode we rule out another thing you can eat, and that, you know if that's how you're feeling. Uh, but I think it's um, it's sort of I think it's just it's important to be conscious of this stuff. Uh, like for me, the sugar one it has actually a lot of other implications too. I mean, we talk about the vegan element ab- about refined sugar, but actually refined sugar is and has been proven over time to be really bad for you, right? There are tons, tons and tons of alternatives. It just Sometimes it takes a little bit of Googling, it takes a little bit of time in a supermarket to actually read the ingredients. But there are so many, I mean even gummy bears, there are so many. There's, there's, a, there's an Australian company that packages here that actually, you know, brands them very clearly as, as using only vegetarian, you know, gelatin and vegetarian products in them. And while we know for the sweet toothers out there that it's a bit harder. That there are ways to slowly wean yourself off this was the one that that came as quite a shock to me personally, um, is how much alcohol is non-vegan. Um, so a lot of animal products are used during the filtration of, um, of alcohol. So you see things like gelatin, flesh bladder, uh, bone marrow, unfortunately, um, and even sometimes casein, which is again the milk derivative, gets used in the filtration process of a lot of wine, um, some beer. You know, this is again one of those things where you kind of you expect, like like tapenade, you would expect it to be vegan. You think it's being made from fermentation of grains and or grapes or some other things, right? And then you suddenly realize that, hey, you know, during the filtration process, they use things like bone marrow, <laughs> egg whites, a gelatin, fish bladder. Like... Honestly, like this is, this is one of those times I know for a fact that I have said, dear Lord, ignorance is bliss. But God, knowing this is so painful. Thankfully, we have a solution for this stuff. It's a website called Barnivore. I don't know anybody behind them or anything like that, but good Lord, they have crowdsourced and worked at getting you a pretty comprehensive list of every alcohol you can think of.
0: Thank you, Barnivore founders. We love you.
1: So, uh, today, I mean, you know, and I think what I really like and someone who's a, a little bit nerdy like me, perhaps geeky like me, um, is that not only do they like, you know, not only have they listed everything and done all the brands and stuff, but they're really good about posting the proof that they have. So a lot of times it's, uh, you know, confirmation from distributors, uh, distributors, manufacturers that, you know, they do or do not use animal products in the filtration process. And so, for example, the beer Guinness, right? is vegan and they and uh, you know the 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 makers of Guinness have come out and and confirmed that the beer Kilkenny which i learned unfortunately is not vegan to use a buzzword like it is fact checked with distributors with manufacturers and stuff which i think i really like
0: it's funny you know i discovered this website think a year ago and i was so fascinated by how you were when you discovered it like you know and i was just like oh obviously i didn't go on to become a geek about it i was just like search my favorite booze and be like okay vegan friendly non-vegan friendly it's as simple as that and at that time, I remember seeing I, I enjoy Corona a lot. So I, I saw Corona and there was vegan friendly and I was like, yes. Um, and similar to Corona, I Yeah. And I saw that Sol wasn't. And now that I'm checking, Sol is vegan friendly. So maybe those guys know that there is Barnevo that exists to call out their shit and maybe they're now improving or changing.
1: The other thing I like too, like, they give you the whole history from the beginning. So, for example, in the case of Saul, as you mentioned, in March 2013, it was clarified as salt being suitable for vegetarians and not vegan. But then in January 2016, uh, you know, the company email clarified that, hey, you know, the salt beer in Finland is vegan because there's no icing glass, which is the fish bladder or other things I use. And then now from Salt UK as well, they got, you know, a clarification in January 2017 saying that, okay, there is, while Sol itself is not brewed using animal-derived products, uh, there, there is a possibility of carryover from some of the other beers, because I'm, I'm guessing they're using the same facility. Yeah, so it's like
0: cross-contamination. Yeah,
1: cross-contamination type it. things. So I think that this is, and that's why I like this site as well. Say, for example, someone changes their process, and I've seen this, by the way, with some wines and stuff, where um, progressively over time, you know uh, the company has identified that okay we need to try to change it we'll work it out and then they come back to them and say hey okay as of now we've changed the things in our facilities and therefore as of now this this wine or this beer or this alcohol is now vegan so it's uh, it's really cool and uh, you know it's something that I think everybody should should definitely check and make sure
0: so moving on the next item on my list are eggs eggs are one of the most controversial topics for vegans so firstly i'd like to clarify that in essence eggs are vegetarian contrary to the popular belief most eggs that you buy from the supermarket are not fertilized eggs hens would lay eggs regardless of uh, whether they have mated with a rooster or not now i'm going to tread on a very very sensitive topic right now this is this is kind of uh, on on a side track or parallel with what we're going to discuss about right but a lot of vegans in order to convince non-vegans called um, eggs as chicken period and called honey as bee vomit, just to gross them out. I am not a big fan of that approach. Like, you're not, you're not convincing people with facts and science, but you're just like trying to like throw words at them that would gross them out. And then they, would, all that happens is that people are like, okay, this person is weird and crazy. Like, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore, right? However, if you look at the science of how hens produce eggs, it's kind of similar to a menstrual cycle of a woman. So, like, hens would lay eggs regardless of whether they have mated or not, right? And um, now, the reason I want to mention that is because a lot of vegetarians think that eggs are not vegetarian, So, that's not true. However, the reason vegans abstain from eating eggs is because of the factory farming involved and also of the fact that vegans um, are against the use of animals as commodities in general. Um, and which is which is something more on the lines of morality, uh, rather than um, the actual process of consuming that product. It's the factory farming that makes them non-vegan. So that's that's one point that I wanted to put out there. However, a lot of vegans believe that having backyard hens that are allowed to roam freely, um, eat nutritious food, uh, run around wherever they want, get enough sun. I have always lived in cities, so I've never owned backyard hens or whatever um so the point that i'm going to make is not going to it's it's just going to be informational and not my opinion but i'm going to give two sides of the story that i've heard and researched about online and from people who own backyard hens uh one side of the coin is where people are as i said against using animals for commodities and they believe that the hens that lay their eggs consume it themselves so when a hen is laying an egg just like how a woman is going through a menstrual cycle they lose a lot of nutrients from their body it makes them weaker and for that to compensate for that nutrition that the hens are losing they consume their own eggs right Um, and they believe that when you take away that egg that kind of pressurizes the hen to lay more to replace that kind of uh, to replace that egg that they have laid and that kind of stresses them out. So the reason the factory farming of, chick- uh, of for eggs is wrong is because you are making a hen lay more eggs than they are naturally supposed to, um, which kind of rids them of all the nutrients in their bodies and makes them weaker. And on an average, a hen's lifespan would be between eight to 10 years. But in a factory, a hen lives up to, maximum up to two years um, because of this, right? Because they're exhausted by the end of it. When you take the eggs from the hen away, Uh, The hen has to produce more eggs than it naturally can. This is one side of the belief, right? Whereas uh, on the other hand, people who own backyard hens think, uh, say that it's untrue because um, hens would lay eggs in a nest, right? Now, if that egg breaks, um, hens prefer or rather hens like laying eggs in a clean nest, which is not messy. So if the egg breaks in it, um, they will eat it up so that so as to clean the nest to be able to lay more eggs because they don't want to lay eggs in a messy nest. And people who own backyard heads have hens have confirmed that they feed enough nutritious food to their chickens and if you're giving them enough nutritious food and hens actually are omnivore so they feed on grasshoppers, bugs, mice um, whatever they can lay their hands on besides the grain and uh, the grass. If the hen is getting enough nutritious food from other sources they do not eat their eggs and if they do not eat the eggs the egg just lays, lies over there and rots away uh, and also has a chance of attracting predators. So, that would take the egg as well as the chicken. So, they may as well eat that egg. I cannot give a proper judgment call on this because I've never owned backyard hens and I've never seen how they are in nature. So, uh, but I, I just thought that this information is good and should be out there for people to have a better judgment
1: call on this. One of, one of the conversations I had, I think it was sometime last year, where I, I was asked this question what if you have a farm what if you have your own cow and you know and it's just excess milk production and that you're you're drinking only that you're not drinking anything that's processed you're not drinking it out of a factory farm that kind of thing then would you drink that milk versus not right and i think so at the time and i don't think my answer has changed all that much uh, is that look you know it's a it's a wonderful idealistic example but it's not it's nowhere close to reality for me and it's nowhere close to reality for most people right and so my issue at the moment is that the stuff that we are actually eating, drinking, and as we've been talking about throughout this episode, um, finding as additives in things like that, are coming from that source today, and which means that, no, I don't, I don't actually have the option not in the cities we live in. Uh, so your point is super interesting to me because as of today I would still stay away from this stuff. I wouldn't do it. And I don't, And at, at the same time, I mean, honestly, it's not even a realistic option for me to have a backyard or to, to have my own hands or any of my friends to do that. Bottom line, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel specifically about this story but I think as of now, I mean, if you're talking in general, in terms of uh, would I eat eggs or not, I mean, I think the answer is still going to be no.
0: We, we speak about how much water is being used and how much soil erosion happens because of meat eating, but it also happens because of producing vegetarian food, right? Crops like palm oil, like the consumption is huge because um, because we are eating mostly out of greed and not need, right? So that's a very um, intense debate, as you said, which requires another episode altogether. As long as you cause the least harm by doing whatever you're doing, you're, you're on the right track like there's no black or white in veganism you know there's no such thing as going completely 100 percent vegan if i'm walking i'm stepping on ants so that's that's what i feel personally do whatever you can do by causing the least of harm
1: right
0: so this is a particularly uh, very important um, point that i'd like to make now which is tampons and a lot of women especially in the western world use tampons um, tampons in full honesty are a great invention especially when you want you, you want to do any kind of physical activity during that m- time of the month if you want to get into the pool or run or whatever uh, however they aren't the best of the uh, alternatives when it comes to being vegan or environmental friendly or even health friendly initially when tampons were launched they were purely made to be able to um, have a better absorbency rate companies started mixing in polyester and um, viscose rayon and other such synthetic fibers to it uh, which meant that they would then start carrying a very high risk of tss now tss is toxic shock syndrome which basically comes from a bacteria that is released by these uh, synthetic fibers and um, it is it is a very rare condition but it is a potentially fatal condition this bacteria is called staphylococcus aureus right and the the symptoms are mostly like like flu like there would be nausea and headache and stuff like that so obviously what happens is that this kind of bacteria stays in your body for a very long time besides that uh, tampons are usually bleached before the end product comes in and during the bleaching process there's a chemical called dioxins that are released right now uh, they, are, they are chemically related compounds that remain in your body for 7 to 11 years. I think this is enough information to tell people to stop using tampons because uh, we are we're literally putting a lot of chemically induced stuffs right inside our bodies. According to WHO, and I'd like to quote them, dioxins are highly toxic and can cause reproductive and, reproductive and developmental problems, damage the immune system, interfere with hormones and also cause cancer. Also, did you know interestingly dioxins are mainly uh, produced by meat? dairy and fish that's that's a major source of dioxin consumption but so are tampons Uh, whatever points i'm speaking about right now also eligible for sanitary napkins both of these from not only being bad from for for your health but also for the environment Uh, most of the tampons and sanitary napkins end up either reaching the landfills or uh, the oceans and thirdly when you're talking about animals tampons are widely even sanitary napkins for that matter are widely tested on animals (laughs) Which is, which is weird. The kind of things that uh, authorities allow to be tested on animals, like, um, and 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 the way they do it is pretty gruesome, right? So they they usually test tampons on rabbits and mice. And what they do is they take uh, female rabbits and they shove toxin-induced tampons up their vaginas. Sometimes overnight, sometimes for long hours. Yeah, and then uh, they just. I mean, obviously most of them just naturally die due to that toxins, but the ones that don't, then they are then sacrificed. And I use the word sacrificed because that's what the authorities use on their papers, that the animal was now sacrificed for vivisection. I am not sure why this still happens around the world, um, but the kind of animal testing that happens, like I remember, I can't remember which celebrity said it, but somebody said it. I'm not sure why you have to test shampoos on animals, like people don't put shampoos in your eyes, period, you know. Like, there's no need to test that on an animal, just put a put a label over there and I'll not do it. Yeah, so basically tampons or sanitary napkins for that matter um, do not help in any way. And um, uh, these days the alternatives are again uh, springing up all around the world. They're going back to traditional uh, conventional methods now. So I am very much interested in the menstrual cups that have come out, they're silicone cups that can be used and reused for years. They don't they don't go back in the landfill and they don't add on to the plastic issue. They're good for your health. Um, so check out some menstrual cups like Diva Cups. Uh, moon Cups, Lunette Cups, lunar Cups, whatever, I mean, there, there's there's a proper chart online that tells you which size is suitable for you if you're a pregnant woman, if you've just delivered a baby, depending on, on the size of um, your uterus. Then there are reusable cotton pads and period underwear, so the brands like Lunar Pads and Things that, that you can use and wash them and reuse them again every month, so that also again, and because they're 100% cotton, they're not bad for you. And if you're still insistent on using tampons just for the sheer reason of convenience, then there are 100% cotton tampons. The um, likeliness of a TSS is very, very, very minimal in in 100% cotton tampons, almost close to nil. So you can look at that. NaturaCare does a lot of um, cotton, organic cotton tampons. Oh, by the way, they all are money savers. So if if none of the above points are a motivational factor for you, then you just end up saving a lot of money in using these alternatives.
1: Sure, um, a lot of people would have found that super informative. Thanks very much. Um, So I think that's, you know, we kind of wanted to touch on uh, a few things that at the outset might seem vegan but are not. Um, So I hope that was informative for all of you. Um, as always, you'll find a bunch of links in the show notes to stuff that we talked about and sites that we spoke about and even products that, that Heathel mentioned. Um, I think that's it from us from this episode. You can subscribe to The Two Vegans in any podcast player of your choice. Just look for The Two Vegans. Uh, we're also on Instagram. We also have a new logo. Yeah, we well, forgot about that. We launched a, a new logo. Um, check it out. See if you like it. Tell us what you think. And if you don't like it, maybe we'll...
0: Don't tell us what you think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can also follow us on Instagram. Just look for the vegans. Until next time. Bye-bye.